Top five, Kentucky does not matter. Michigan State gets it done. Yeah, of course, we're going to be talking about that game. And then Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports joins us. Oh, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that is right. We are here locked on Spartans celebrating a massive champions classic victory as Michigan State takes down number four rated Kentucky 86-77 in a game that honestly felt like it was 17 overtimes, never really seemed to end. But <laughs> when it did end, it was the boys in green and white getting the job done. But hey, before going any further... LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Post your jobs for free. Terms and conditions apply. That's right. Michigan State was giving the work to Kentucky. And I, where to even begin? I what, Just what a win. The only unranked team in the Champions Classic. And this comes after a day of everyone online just... <laughs> Michigan State shouldn't be playing in the Champions Classic. They're not... Shut up. Shut the hell up. You do not talk about Tom Izzo like that. You do not talk about a man who's the all-time Big Ten winner like that. You don't talk about a man who has more Final Fours himself than probably your own piddly program does. You don't talk about a man that has a tournament streak this long like that. You do not talk about the Michigan State Spartans like that because they picked up that dub and they looked like they belonged. That did not look like an upset either. That did not look like an upset either. And no, I'm going to squash this right now. This isn't some overrated Kentucky team that, oh, yeah, well, we talked about it with DK. of SpartanHoops.com, great gentleman. This is a sick Kentucky team. They have shooters. They have athletes. They have five stars. And, oh, yeah, they have Oscar Shibwe, who's allowed to commit 12 fouls per game and throw elbows wherever he wants. Still wasn't enough to beat the Michigan State Spartans, and that is thanks to some gutty performances. Gutty performances on Tuesday night. You know what? I was going to say, where do we even begin? But let, let's begin with this fella right here because everyone was hard on him after the Carrier game. And, of course, we're talking about Joey Hauser, just two points on the Carrier. And I said that, long story short, that game might have just come squarely down to him if he played even just a little better. Michigan State gets off the Carrier with a win. Okay, um, he threw the Uno reverse card right in all of our faces because, uh, look, he got some good performances tonight from a, a lot of players on Michigan State, but man, I, I, you talk about an MVP night right there from Hauser. Just a casual 23 points, just a casual 4 of 7 from 3. That's 3 of 6 in the first half, by the way. And honestly, maybe something very unheralded this game was his rebounding effort. Eight rebounds from Joey Hauser last game. Oh boy, did that not look good at all. But today, he belonged. He looked like the best player on the court for many stretches of that game. Now, not the whole game, of course, because, well, yeah, the other team still has All-American, All-World player Oscar Sheboy. And yes, of course, he just made the comment that he can get away with any foul that he wants to commit. And that is true. But he's also just a really, really good player. He's a monster of a player. And I know Coach Cal... Want to do the whole thing of, oh, he's going to be on a minute limit. Don't expect a lot from him. 
as if we haven't seen you know Kevin Willard do that with Miles Powell and Seton Hall a few years ago. Like, Cal, you think that was going to fool us? Come on. No, Oscar Shibway, kind of just like Jaden Akins, you would never guess that he had an off-season procedure on a leg. He played absolutely dynamite, but to counter that, what the what what on earth? Mati Sissoko is like all Big Ten good. Mati Sis, I I I I was sitting there for like the entire second half. Just well, okay. In between panicking about the game and wanting to throw up, but not actually throwing up. When I wasn't doing that, I was trying to think of an instance where a Spartan had this big of a leap from one year to the next. And I'm sorry, I've got I've got absolutely nothing. I spent the better part of an hour to an hour and a half, thinking of who played like five minutes one year and then came on and looked like <laughs> bleeping Superman in the next year. And look, we saw that on the aircraft carrier, but also at the same time, were there some spots where the ball just kind of, you know, landed at his feet, he picks it up, dunks it? Sure, yeah, of course. But maybe that's just anticipation. Maybe that's just being a good basketball player, and we didn't get a lot of that against Kentucky, and again, he had a formidable individual mass matchup with Oscar Shibway and Mati Sissoko, 16 points, 8 rebounds, 3 steals, including that clutch one, that clutch one in double OT, and you know what, we're going to shout this stat out right here because uh, this is miraculous for Mati Sissoko, 6 of 8 from the free throw stripe. Kentucky had their issues on the free throw line, especially in the late game stages. Not Mati Sissoko, though. Mati Sissoko, I believe, put three of his four opportunities away in the second overtime. Six of eight from him. Honestly, like six of eight from anyone is pretty good. But six of eight from Mati Sissoko, a guy that never was known to shoot a free throw. Just absolutely sensational. And we, you're, you're just feeling so good about where the front court stands now for Michigan State. Again, the depth will still be an issue. We might, you know, talk about that later on, but we're here to focus on the good vibes and the good vibes only. And that funnels right into Tyson Redemption Story all in the same game walker. Uh and look, it wasn't anything horrible that he did. He missed uh that shot at the end of regulation. Uh or maybe it was overtime. Sorry, I'm you guys know what I'm talking about, the little floater. Missed another one following that. So now that's two game-winning shots that he could have hit. And they were good shots. I have no problem with the shots. Anytime you're going to have like an eight-footer like that, no one necessarily in front of you for the first shot. Second shot, okay. Shot clock's run a little low here. It's time to huck a ball up. But, hey, what a finish for him, that late steal. Uh, just, God, you, mm, what a redemption story for Tyson Walker. And overall, what makes me happy is everything, actually. But if I could take one of the chapters of this giant book of happiness. Last week, if you didn't listen to the show, I'll give you the cliff notes of it, is that Michigan State was up 12 in the second half. They were up 6 with under 10 minutes to go and kind of saw that melt away, you know? And I was starting to get worried that, okay, that was the second game of the season. You can't have losing like that get contagious because how many times have we seen it in any sport, in any level of sport, where a team starts to lose late leads and that kind of grows into two games. And now it's just lingering the entire season just over their heads of, oh, God, when's the shoe going to drop? To, that, to get that monkey completely off the back before really the monkey even had a chance to latch on firmly is sensational. That is a gutty win, a gritty win, and honestly, a Spartan dog win. The last two games, and I know that this isn't X's and O's. Well, it, 
it can be a little bit, but this is more of just, you know, cliche and passionately speaking, but it really has seemed like Michigan State basketball has returned to its roots, so to speak, just getting out, running, playing really good defense. I thought the perimeter defense was nasty today, not letting other teams bat flip big uh, baskets. So when they score, okay, get out on the edges. We're going to just daisy do dunkaruya right here into, well, an answer. So, but yeah, with that said, like it, it just looks like that this is going to be a team that is a lot better than I thought. And with that said, I know I was the Mopia Zoo line after the Gonzaga game. I know some other people were too. Like the, you know, it, there was two camps after the Gonzaga game. There was one camp which was, hey, we just played the number two team in the country really close. I feel pretty good about that actually. And then there was the camp which I think was the minority after the game, the one I was in, where it was like. Yeah, you're not going to have opportunities for great wins like that. And sure, yeah, they, they looked okay, but at the end of the day, you still lost that game, and now you can really start your season on a tough skid in the gauntlet. I'm out of that camp. I'll raise my hand and say, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong to be that mopey after that game. And I got to be honest, too. I let on a little bit thinking that Michigan State was not going to beat this really good top five, legit top five Kentucky team in the Champions Classic. I honestly didn't think that was going to happen, so that's why I took that Gonzaga loss so hard. You had the opportunity right there. Kind of let it slip through your fingers. Tuesday night, against a top-five team. Against a top-five team. One of the favorites in Vegas to win the national title. With their best player back. With, well, just everyone on the court for them. God, they're just littered with talent. Had the opportunity again to win. Actually, you also had the opportunity to lose. You were down late in the game. You had an amazing short comeback at the end of regulation. Hun with them in overtime. Double overtime win. Pulled away at the end like champions. And that's how you get invited to the Champions Classic every single year. Wins like that against top five teams. That was awesome. That was awesome. And now I'm just oh, I'm elated. I'm like you if you're a Spartan fan. Just elated. So look at that. In the next two segments, we're going to be switching it over to football talk. If you want more basketball talk, we'll definitely talk about this game with Graham Couch. We're going to have him on the show this Friday or Thursday night if you watch on YouTube. But, oh, man, I am fired up right now. Oh, boy, and I'm sure you are as well. We will we will not be sleeping tonight. So uh, if, if anyone wants to chat on Twitter at, like, 3 in the morning, hit me up. I'll, I'll keep you company. All right, gang, these days every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. That's right. It's free 99 people. You are missing out if you're not using LinkedIn Jobs. Add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. What are you waiting for? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions. Whew, you got that right, Buster. They apply. The legendary Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports joins us. Steve, that's right. You're still Steve to me. Um, yeah. Two-part question right here. Saturday's game against Rutgers. You had a busy 24 hours before that. You went to the aircraft carrier game. You caught an overnight flight to that game. You went straight to Spartan Stadium, essentially. So the two-part question is, one, did you stay awake 
during the entire game because holy smokes, what a 36 hours for you. And then second of all, hey, if you did stay awake, what was your what was your biggest takeaway from the game on Saturday, Steve? <laughs> I did. Thank you. Uh, no, yeah, it was a, it was a heck of a couple days there. Um, super fun experience on my aircraft carrier. Wouldn't have traded that for anything. So sure, you know, after that, it, it takes what it takes, and you just had to. I just had to get through it. Uh, yeah, of course, I stayed awake. How can how could you not be uh, locked into that scintillating <laughs> Michigan State Rutgers game with two four and five teams duking it out? How could you not? Uh, but no, yeah, I broke through that wall, I think around like six or 7am to where like, okay. my body thought it was a new day and I was just good to go. So, um, Sunday was a different story. Uh, I didn't see much of Sunday at all, actually, but, sure. uh, but yeah, Friday, Saturday was fine. Um, in terms of the game though, I mean, like, that's like, I joke about it, but like, that's kind of what I wanted to see from Michigan state. Like just no nonsense, no, no weirdness. Yeah. Look, I, I know at the end the spread got dicey and they throw the late touchdown and, and nobody likes sure. that, but like. Other than that, like it was just mature business. Like, just go in and beat them. They you you had Rutgers in basically the trail position all day, trying to catch up to you. You know, I mean, that's what you wanted to see. Just nothing dicey. No come from come from behind stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, don't let them come from behind. Uh, nothing egregiously sloppy or anything like that. It was just kind of ho hum. Let's get this done. Check the box and get out of here, boys. Like that type of thing. And that's what I thought it should be. Um, that's what you hoped it would be. If other than, of course, you know, fifty to nothing, I'm sure would make people feel happy and everything. But yeah. coming off that emotional win at Illinois, um, still obviously limited, you know, personnel wise, all those things. You know, they, they didn't let it. They didn't. They didn't get fat and sassy, as Tom Izzo says, off the Illinois yeah. win. Uh, they sort of stayed locked in and everything, and, and played some some team football. And then, uh, yeah, that that was really my main takeaway, though. And I wrote that a little bit, just like boring but successful and like you take that every time you just move on to the next one and we got another one of those games coming up this saturday of course this would clinch a bowl game for michigan state and the refrain from the team whether it's the coach or the player seems to be that we're not focusing on bowl eligibility we're just taking it one game at a time yada 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 point blank do you do believe them? Uh, like, I, I guess I'm just essentially asking, are they liars? Because I, I think that is important to make a bowl game. Was there anything that you heard after the game that was like, okay, like, yeah, this is what they're kind of going about here? <laughs> or how, well, how I, I get what they're saying. I, I'm sure they all want to make a bowl game. I'm sure that's mm-hmm. been more than they're probably letting on, um, or at least, you know, prioritize more than they're saying. But I, I do sort of get what they're saying in the sense of like, if we let that, you know, if we focus on the on the finish line, like we're not going to get where we where we need to be as a team. And uh, Mel Tucker still sort of, I think he still believes that like there is an, another gear for this team. You know, maybe just one, not multiple. You know, what I'm saying this isn't. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna break out and become this this other this completely different team. But I do think, you know, as he said, and like uh, I've mentioned a couple times here, they just don't. They haven't played a full game yet. You know, pick your favorite yeah. game. It hasn't been a complete performance. I don't think probably at all, you know, by any stretch. Uh, this last weekend was fairly close because they got special teams helping out defense, helping out offense, you know, and, and whatnot like they talk about. Um, and the field goals were big from Ben Patton, I thought, you know, and we'll see how much uh, they have to turn to him the rest of the year. But, you know, just for his confidence sake, for everybody's confidence in him, for the coaching staff's confidence, you know, right. that was a big moment. Um, but I, I do understand what they're saying, though, because even in some of these wins, I don't think they've played great. You know, and there's been some other games where I thought that they could have, you know, made it closer with just another play, a couple plays here and there. So I'm not trying to make excuses for him and say that there's a great team that's just caught all the bad breaks. That's not true at all. 
You know, right. they've, they've made their bed plenty of times this year. But uh, I, can, I can understand at least where they'd be coming from saying we can still get better in these last two, you know, maybe three. And there's still there's still more that we can reach out and grab and, and you know, just a higher level we can attain as a team. So that's what I think they're saying is like, let's not overlook Indiana, you know, like let's let's mm-hmm. go out and just if we have that A plus game in us, let's go play it, you know, and then build from there and then, and then do it better the next week. So. They're still they're still coaching, you know. They're still coaching like it's August and September and trying to squeeze more out of this team. They're not acting like it's the last season yet. So you respect that, of course. Um, how much more is there to squeeze out of this team? You know, I, I do think that's a fair question, especially when you look at limitations and stuff like that. I mean, they have two new starting offensive linemen in that game. Um, so there's a lot going on, but that's basically their message. It's like the bowl game will happen if we play our best. Let's focus on playing our best sure. this week. Then let's do it again the week after that. And then, of course, you get another one, you do it again that time. But it's like, let's just shorten the focus to doing the absolute, to maximizing this week and to actually trying to play that that full 60-minute game. And speaking of, you know, incremental progress week to week, uh, this funnels right into a listener question that we got. He wants to go by Spartan fan here. But really, since the Wisconsin game, he's noticed that the defense has been playing a little better. I've noticed it. I'm sure you've noticed it. A lot of people have noticed that the defense has been playing better since the Wisconsin game. And the question is point blank, just why? You know, like there are more pass breakups, there's more third down stops. So he asked, do you attribute that to the run-heavy competition with Wisconsin, Michigan, Illinois, and Rutgers, and that it plays kind of into Michigan State's strength? Or is it just different? Is it because there's been development with the uh, the scheme, if you will, or the players themselves? How do you slice that up? So I, th- I think it's all of those things uh, to a degree, you know, um, you make a good point that it is a lot of run heavy teams. And that's something I'm sort of interested about with this Indiana game is they're not afraid to chuck it, you know, 40, 50 times. So right. that'll, yeah. that could be a little bit of change in styles there. I don't know exactly what their QB situation is. I know it's been a little shaky um, at times in this year, but yeah, that, that, that that's part of it, I think. Cause you know, even though the numbers aren't great, it's still a, it, I do think it's still a tough team to run on their linebackers can play the run pretty well. The interior of that D-line is still one of the better groups you're going to find, you know, in the Big Ten, especially with a healthy Jacob Slade. And Simeon Barrow's been dealing with a lot in and out, but when he's in there, he's effective. Uh, you've got quality backups like Jalen Hunt, who's been pushed out to the edge lately, but he can play in there. Maverick Hansen can play in there. Deshaun Mallory can play in there. Um, I'm probably forgetting one or two guys even. So, uh, you know, I mean, Alex Van Sumeren, if you can go all the way down there, they're not afraid to play him. So yeah. there's a lot of depth in there. That is part of it. Uh, I think getting guys back, of course, we've seen a noticeable uptick once Slade and Henderson returned uh, for, you know, in, in October there. So that's part of it as well. And, and Henderson, I mean, uh, has a lot of intangible value on this defense. I mean, he's getting guys lined up, right? There's not as many missed assignments. There's not as many misalignments with him since he's been back out there. Um, and then you talk about, you know, mixing in like a true freshman like Malik Spencer. Uh, Jaden Mangum's been out there. Dylan Tatum's been out there a little bit. Uh He's able to get all those guys right and make sure they're all in order there. Um, so, you, you know, just like I said, there's more than just the box score once he's been back. Uh, and then, you know, I do think they've just been different scheme-wise. Uh, I, I do think Mel Tucker has had sort of a stronger influence on, on where things have been. You know, Scotty Hazelton's still the guy, of course. He's he's still calling the shots. But I do think there's been maybe a little more collaboration there, a little more gotcha. uh, input and everything, you know, with, with Mel being involved and all that. So, I just think they've been different. You know, they've been more multiple. Um, I think they're confusing quarterbacks better, and they haven't played a, outside of McCarthy. You know, haven't played a ton of great quarterbacks. So if you can dupe those guys, you know, that's going to make your job easier. Um, I think they've been doing a lot of that. They've been, they're not just doing the same rigid 
uh, here's what we are, you know, type of defense that, that we saw through the first handful of years. I think they're being way more adaptable. We've seen, we've seen more dime looks with three safeties on the field. And, you know, Xavier Henderson's bumped up and basically played linebacker in, in different looks there, uh, different things on third down where they're just kind of letting guys go and playing some man behind it. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's 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 one of the big things. Is I just think they're not doing the same stuff, you know, over and over and over again. It's not just rolling out in that 4-3 and, and playing man or cover three. There's, there's, there's more split safety stuff. Uh, there's more bracket coverage, different things like that. So they're just presenting a different look than they were earlier in the year. I think that has a lot to do with it, as well as the personnel and the different styles and everything else I mentioned before. Gotcha. And I want to bring up Scotty Hazleton here in a hot second and get your temperature on if he comes back next year. But first, that's what we call a tease in the podcast industry. But first, I need to talk your ear off about betonline.net. That's right. The number one sport betting site for all your gambling needs. And this, of course, goes outside of college sports. You know, maybe college basketball ain't doing it for you. College football ain't doing it for you. Well, we got NBA, we got golf, we got the World Cup fever coming up. I cannot wait to make many donations to betonline.net during the World Cup season. But hey, when I do it, I'm going to do it the best site possible. Betonline.net, your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. That's right, esports. They've got you covered at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, well, my guess is that you do. You're listening to this one. You can find more of those at Bet Online as well. They are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website today. Use your mobile device. Learn more about the trends and action. That is at BetOnline.net where the game starts. And let's start this final segment with the one and only Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports with... One of those popular people to talk about this year in defensive coordinator Scotty Hazleton. Um, after the Minnesota game, I, he had two U-Haul vans outside of his house, and he was as good as gone, basically. It was sayonara, Scotty. However, kind of going along with the last question here and what we've all seen the last few weeks, that there has been a little bit of progress. And you throw in the injuries that they've had. So many injuries to the point where, like, it's not an excuse. It's just a reason of why maybe a defense isn't good. And then, oh, yeah, suspensions, including your arguably best defensive player in Jacoby Winman. What percent chance do you have that he comes back next year? Because I think I'm over 50% now, personally. But we're going to ask an expert like you, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is really, this is really tough. Uh, You know, it's, it's, I just want to say up front, this is, this is nothing I haven't, heard anything worth reporting or anything like that on sure. this uh this is going to be strictly my gut feeling but I'll, I'll say like 45 you know just a tad under 50 okay it's it's really hard to read because mel is not you know he's he's literally said i'm never going to throw a coach under the bus publicly right and then you know he's backed that up like he's all the only time he'll, the only thing he'll mention with his coordinators or his coaches is, is positive positive news praise things like that i mean so He's been saying good things about Scotty lately because because the defense has been performing well. But does that truly reflect what he's feeling internally? I, I don't know that. Um, and how much does he see? You know, as how much does does Mel Tucker put in each of those buckets? Whether it's we don't have the players, or this scheme right. is not right, or um, man, we really had some injuries this year that that really screwed Scotty and handcuffed him. You know, how much he factors in each of those things? I really don't have a great feel for so. I get that's a little unsatisfactory, but my guess would be just a tad under 50 because I do think that I think that first part of the year really left an impact, you know, to where probably probably put Scotty at a deficit to where he really had to make up, obviously, you know, and has he done enough of that yet? 
Um, like I said, I know Tucker's been a little more involved there. I don't know to what extent exactly, but how much does he view that? You know, does he does he say, oh, I came in and saved the day, or does he say, all right, we got Scotty sort of in the right direction here. We're working to get – we've worked out, you know, the, the right uh, ingredients of how to collaborate this thing, and now let's move forward. Um, I don't know. You know, he's not – He's not a guy that if you lost him, the recruiting class would fall apart by any means, um, you know, so I'll, I'll just say that part. Uh, and so it, it's it's hard. To, like I said, it's just my gut. You know, I would think I still think he's probably more likely to go than Jay Johnson. Um, I know I know the roles have flipped, you know, over the last month. And a I little bit, yeah. Jay Johnson, everybody's kind of cool <laughs> with Scotty Hazelson. Right. So I, I would still think Hazelson's probably more likely to leave. Um then Jay Johnson again. It's mostly just my feel and everything. Uh, and then you know, on the other on the other hand, uh, I do think there'd be a bigger recruiting impact from losing Johnson than losing Hazelton. Um, gotcha. I, I know that you know that that's that's undisputable. So yeah, give me forty five percent. You know, with a chance to 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 increase that and save it, obviously through this last uh, couple weeks here. But again, I just I can't. I don't have that great feel for what's really going on inside of Mel's head, and I don't think a lot of people do, honestly. <laughs> um, in the building, outside of the building, I don't think a lot of people really do, but it's 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 just so hard to say right now because all he does publicly is is you know back his guys and everything. So um, give me forty five, and I'm feeling kind of good with that. It makes up for another fascinating offseason for Michigan State football. I mean, that's that that's been a recurring theme with Mel Tucker is that it's now a twelve month sport and it's going to be electric any single day of you know any given week of any given month. So hey, there we go. Nice. Always stay in the news cycle. That helps me as well. Um, there's been obviously a lot of new faces on the defense or, you know, also the offense as well. You know, the, the two new offensive starting linemen as well. But uh, yesterday I sang the praise of Avery Dunn. I really like what we've seen from a sophomore at defensive end. And this is a kid that maybe wouldn't have this opportunity if not for 13,000 injuries and suspensions. But how about you? Are there any new faces that you've seen, whether it's a freshman or maybe an unheralded junior, for example, that's really caught your eye maybe last game or last two games? Yeah, Dunn's one of them for sure. I mean, he's one of the – he might be the only – I know, I guess I got Michael Fletcher too, but he's, he's one of sure. few like real defensive ends like that are healthy and available right now. Right. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, wasn't really – wasn't super highly regarded coming out of high school or anything. Um, you know, just kind of a ho-hum three-star guy out of, out of the Cleveland area. Um, but always had some really good tools, you know, some really interesting tools to him. He's long. He's lanky. I think he can bend pretty well. You know, I thought he probably coming in had to add some strength and, and some uh, refine his technique a lot and everything. I think he's getting there, though. You know, he's still a younger dude, as you mentioned, in the, in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things. Um, I think there's I think there's going to be a place for him on this team as we move forward. I mean, he's got sort of a, a prototypical, you know, weak side edge rusher type of build. When you talk about that long, lanky you know, thinner frame and everything. He's not, he's not Michael Fletcher where you want him at the point of attack, but on the other side, you know, he could, he could turn that corner and, uh, and get after a little bit. And we saw him literally do that and make right. some other plays, get in the backfield, disrupt some things, make some tackles in the backfield, had the, had the sack, I believe. So um, very promising stuff. Cause that's just a guy that they don't have a lot of, you know, and if he can, if, if he can just get incrementally better and as a senior, uh, be a you know a fringe starter for you and in a you know three four five sack guy maybe off the bench or something that's that's great uh he's a guy like i said i always thought had some tools you know and actually started hearing about him surprisingly uh right near the end of training camp i guess you know i guess the light bulb came on for him just real real late in camp and then all of a sudden that last week last 
10 days, maybe something like that. I don't remember the exact timeline, but very, very late in training camp. It all, it all clicked for him, I guess. And he started putting together some really good practices and started impressing some people over there. So then uh, you don't really see him coming into the year and everything. Cause you got women blowing up and, and elsewhere, yeah. you know, they, they had Bogle plan and then Pachowski and, he had obviously passed those guys, but he had he had sort of been trending to a place uh, of being in that rotation. And I think he got nicked up early. In fact, I know he did. I know I forget exactly what happened, but he wasn't out there for a lot early in the season. But we're seeing him now, and yeah, it looks promising for the future. Like you can't have too many of those uh, guys in your program. The other one I'll just say real quick is Brandon Baldwin. I think you got to tip your cap to him yeah. in a big way. I mean, you got a brand new left tackle uh, making his second and third career starts the last two weeks. And the offensive line might have had their best two games of the season. I mean, yeah, I don't know what PFF or some of the other analytics folks say, but just to me watching right. it, like, and, and you look at the rushing numbers, you look at the sack numbers, and, and again, just sort of eyeball tested a little bit. Like that, that was those were two of the better games for sure. Maybe two, the two best of the season. And then you know, is that correlation or causation there with, with Brandon Baldwin coming in for Jarrett Horst? I mean, I've been in the camp that horse at his best is their best offensive lineman, you know, but I, I understand the flaws and the weaknesses and availability is a strength and all those things, you know? Um, but you know, I think Baldwin's held it down in a, in a very positive way. I mean, you don't notice them out there. I don't think there's been a big drop off. There's not a weakness. You're like, Ooh, man, you know, get that tight end over there guys, get that, keep that back in there for him, you know, to help, help him out here. Or, it's like you don't ever notice like, oh, man, they're, you know, the, the guys make the defense making plays off that left side all the time. They're collapsing the pocket over there. They're, they're getting tackles for loss over there. Like he's held, he's holding up very well. Um, There's one run uh, specifically. I think Berger got like 12 yards out of it or something. But him and Duplain just just fully creased that left side of the defense. It was wide Crazy. open. I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh, how many times have we seen that this year? Not many at all. You know, so um, he's a guy that. I didn't really know, you know, getting you like him on paper as a recruit with a basketball background, got some athleticism to him, you know, but still very much a project, you know, and projects don't always work out. In fact, they don't they probably don't work out more times than they do. But uh, at that stage of the program, I was like, sure, you take a flyer on a guy like that. Who knows what it'll be? You're probably going to recruit over him with some more polished players. But if he turns out to be a guy for you, man, that's that's a heck of a win as well. Just a lot like Avery Dunn, when it's like a guy with tools if can put them all together and, and become something then. That's what you want. So I think all I think right now it's it's all signs are positive for him, and uh, and now he's got a lot of room to grow into that position, and we'll see where he can yeah. take it. But early on, man, his first couple games here, I've been very very impressed with how he's handled it. No doubt, and I'm glad you brought him up. And I don't know if it's like I got to eat crow or whatever, but um, like in, in the preseason, that was one of our biggest worries was just the offensive line depth, and it's not like we completely doubted them. It's just we didn't see these guys at all. So it's like Jared Horse goes away. We literally have no idea what we're going to get out of Baldwin, but I, and you know, I, I know he's a loyal listener of, of this program. He starts his every single day with lockdown Spartans here. So I just have to personally apologize to uh, Brandon Baldwin. Hey, no, no reason to doubt you young man. You are doing great so far. Um, that's probably a lie. I doubt he even knows this show exists, but uh, with that said, Hey, you know what? That was one of the biggest worries going into the season and I, small sample size. Sure. You know, two games, but Hey, you're two for two. Got to be something said about that. So. We had reason, I think, to, to be worried about the depth. But then um, – I thought so, yeah. You know, uh, I thought Geno Vandemark uh, in the Illinois game, he didn't play uh, last weekend. But the Illinois game had a couple decent moments, and he's going to be, you know, part of the future here. And then, uh, obviously, having Brian Green as a veteran guy who can swing in there at either guard spot or center has been valuable. I mean, he started last week. I thought he played pretty well after not playing that great at Illinois, in my opinion. So, um, yep. it's proven to be okay, you know, as the season's gone. It's been better than we thought. 
Bang. There we go. And uh, Stephen, you know, we are recording Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Monday. How about Tuesday morning? That makes a lot more sense. Safe travels to the Champions Classic. Um, we just talked about it in the first segment. I don't know what, what happened at this point, but uh, thank you so much for dropping by before you make your way down in Indianapolis. Uh, you're the best, man. So go get them. And thank you, everyone else, for tuning in. Lock on Spartans. You know where to find us five days a week here in the Locked On Podcast Network. Love you all. Go Green.